All right, I love my church. I hope you guys do too. Welcome, welcome this afternoon. I was pretty stoked, excited there just for a moment. I thought someone was whistling for that song. It was a baby going, ah, ah, ah. I was like, yeah, on the front row. And I said to Mike as I walked, I was like, oh, that's a baby screaming. So, but I thought it was good. That was great worship. You guys are awesome. Hey, as we dive into today's topic, I wanted to tell you of like a, uh, an emotional memory I had this last week leading up to this weekend, thinking of, okay, how do I want to start this conversation with you guys? I remember for years and years and years and years, my dad did a lot of uh, investing in, in his three kids, one of those being me. Uh, I was his only boy, so I felt pretty, pretty privileged that uh, I got a lot of dad time. And I remember on several instances, my dad would take me on an airboat ride uh, to his cabin, our family cabin that I've had all my life, out to the middle of the Everglades. And we would take this one airboat trail, and it was about a 40-minute drive, just sometimes all out. Sometimes we would slow things down, and we'd have some fun little things that we'd do along the way, and we'd get off that boat and, boat and ride the rest of the way on another a vehicle called a swamp buggy. You guys kind of know a little bit more about me, probably more than you needed to know, all the way to his cabin. But I remember this one particular time after we'd done, it felt like we'd done this a hundred times, my dad stopped the boat at this one juncture where we'd always go this one direction, and he said, son, I want to take you to something you've never seen before. And he took us off to the right, out into an area that was a little, um, where you could see a little bit further around and and we got away from what was called the big cypress area where there's lot, lots of these huge cypress trees out to an area where there's more sawgrass that the boat could get up on top of. And we'd ride around out there a while. And then finally, he comes to this island, stops the boat, and says, come on with me, I want to show you something. We walk into this, this area where it's this big hardwood head, and there's a cabin in the middle of it. Right past the cabin, there's about a 100-foot tower that this family owns this cabin. My dad knew him. Uh, had erected this thing to where they could, they could climb to the top of it and have like a little, little perch at the very top. They would, they would have this pulley system where they could pulley up stuff and bring up books and food and whatnot because it was a long hike up and down. I remember being at the top of this thing and just thinking, I have just done something special with my dad. And my dad sort of always was a master at like sort of managing the moment. He, he, my dad was always on full tilt, running 100 miles an hour. But every now and then, he would just slow things down. I remember him putting his arm around me and just saying, Son, something I want to tell you. He said, One day you're going to be a man. And we just remember, I just remember my dad talking to me about you know, being, being, a, being a man and what it was like. And we just stood up on this tower, and we could see for miles. I'd never seen this part of the Everglades before. We talked about how beautiful it was, how God made creation, and how God had a wonderful plan for my life. And I remember just thinking... Looking back at that, what an amazing experience of my dad just passing on a little bit of manhood and just giving me perspective. Well, today in the same vein, I would like for us to take just a moment and just climb up into the tower and talk about the church for a moment. And just, just take a few moments today where we just talk about perspective. We talk about vision. We talk about maybe even some how, some whys, and some whats of how we do church and why we do church. For many of us, you might be a product of a former church experience. Maybe it was good, maybe it was bad. Maybe you've been a product of multiple church experiences. You've never kind of grasped like, okay, why do churches do what they do on Sunday mornings, and why is one a little bit different than the next? 
There's lots of flavors, lots of sizes, lots of types, lots of styles. Why do we do what we do? And why does it matter? Well, this morning, I want to dive into this topic as we talk about, we've got two more weeks of this series called I Love My Church. And again, it's not about our church, it's about the church. But why the church, this church, could play such a powerful, 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 incredibly powerful role in the group of us, in the big, you know, large family that we have here together, and with us individually, and even as ourselves personally. So what I'm about to tell you is like a, I feel like, the greatest perspective we could get on how the early church modeled for us how to do church and why it matters. And then I want to end with a few things today that I think is going to just drive home a point. I've entitled today's message, hold on a second, I've already said this several times today, I've entitled today's message, where's, my, where's that, my notes, oh my gosh, we're better together, all right? <laughs> You guys ever have one of those? Something to do with bad gas and memory, brain, something. Okay, never mind. Never mind. All right, let's do this. Since my brain's already flying elsewhere, let's pray. All right, God, I pray you'd take my words. God, I pray you'd use this broken um, person. God, I pray you'd speak to us clearly, divinely. And help us to grasp what you want us to see in this scripture, your powerful words today about the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Acts chapter 2. I want to move quickly today. The early church modeled very clearly how to do church. And it modeled very clearly why we would be a part of it and how it could play a mighty powerful role in our, our, our lives individually. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Jesus has already ascended into heaven. Now what's left are his early disciples. And this is when the first church began. All of a sudden, people run around going, oh, I saw the Messiah. I saw him die. Yeah, I saw him, you know, I saw him later on. And, and Jesus made an appearance to hundreds of people after his resurrection. People run around word spreading. People are giving up years and years and years of Jewish heritage. And they're just jumping on board, going all in, going, I'm with this Jesus guy. People are freaked out. Stuff's happening. And all of a sudden, the church has begun. And quickly off the bat, the writer of Acts, John, says, here's what I want them to know. They devoted themselves. Here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So obviously there was a church service. There was some teaching going on. There was some fellowshipping going on. There was some relational stuff, but not a whole lot because you, how, how often, how deeply relational can you get right now looking at the back of the person's head in front of you, right? So they're hanging out, having some small interchange, but teaching, a little bit of fellowship, breaking of bread. In this context, it meant communion, remembering the Lord, Lord's Supper, His death, burial, resurrection, breaking bread, that was communion, and to prayer. And then the results of those things were this. Everyone was filled with awe. Like when they did those things, they had this church service, they were filled with awe. It was an experience. It was a powerful celebration. It was an amazing worship. Like, God, you're awesome. They were filled with awe, many wonders, and signs performed by the apostles. And it says all the believers were, and here's the word I want to camp out on, all the believers were together and had everything in common. This word together 
was a big part of their focus. Now, in verses 45 and on, you see a break here. You see sort of the church service in the beginning, and then you see the church functioning in the latter portions. Verse 45, it says, They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Now, this wasn't like church proper. This was just like, hey, there was a need. People sold stuff. Hey, man, I'll take care of you. I got this. All over the place, it wasn't like a church program. It wasn't like a, a, a uh, altogether, you know, top-down legislation of here's how we're going to do things. This wasn't the government stepping in saying we're going to take. It was just people of the church. Hey, you got a need? I got that one. Hey, man, I can help with that. I got another cow or donkey or, you know, apparatus that drags or fits. I don't know. They had all this stuff, and it said that they took care of each other's needs. And in verse 46, every day, every day, they continued to meet together in temple courts. Now, this was not a church service going on. This was just people gathering together. I picture this in, in like little groups hanging out all over the place. Hey, man, there's that guy I met the other day. Yeah, he's fired up. I just saw him like a month ago. You should have seen how jacked up he was. My gosh, that guy really needed Jesus. And they're hanging out. They're serving each other, helping each other, they're taking care of each other's needs. Meeting together in temple courts. And it says they broke bread in their homes. Now, this was not communion. This was just like party. This was hangout. This was in the relational context of, hey, things are better together. Relationships are formed. People are getting together in groups. They're grouping up just like we do together today. And they ate together, and they had glad and sincere hearts. And it says that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is a principle we often forget. Most of us have a litany of our church experiences. Most of us think of church just like this, right? We show up on a Sunday, and that's what church is. Today, I want you to help. I really, really, I want you to grasp that this is far from the end-all, be-all. This is really what you have right here, right now. It's just the beginning of what God wanted for us. The first part of that passage was sort of like this. We pray together. We, we, we have some teaching. We celebrate. It didn't talk about singing there, but they did a, a, a lot of that. They celebrated. They worshiped. They shared. But the biggest part of what they did was found in the last part of this. And, I, and, we, and we see quickly that the pattern of the church was really twofold. Both like the temple worship coming together on Sundays when they gathered together as a big corporate family together and this house ministry thing they had going on. And along the way, even early on, they got a little sidetracked and went a different direction or got slightly off course because we see them being reminded in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 says this as a reminder. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Is faithful, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. What was happening here is the writer is reminding folks that life can get off track. Oftentimes, I'm swerving. And oftentimes, I need someone to come along in my life and do a little spurring and saying, Jeff, you're my friend. You're swerving. Come on, let's pull it back in the road. The writer speaks of the same thing that the writer talked about in Acts. As a church, real growth is going to always happen in the context of relationships. 
if you and I want this church experience and want, want this God experience to really, really amount to something that helps us stay in line, move forward, not fall off the road, it's going to be only through the context of how we group up, of how we hang out, how we gather outside of this place. Now, hang on, hang on. I know some of you are like, oh, gosh, I know where he's going now. He says, let's remember not to give up on meeting together. Like, I want to reiterate how important this is for every person. I don't want you to give up on thinking that we've got to meet together, as some are already, now remember, this is the early church, as some is already in the habit of doing. But we've got to stay consistent, encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Now, what was that day that was approaching? They're talking about Jesus coming back. And they're talking about as he comes back, here's what we've got to be doing. If we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're gonna really do this thing for the long haul, if we're not gonna fall apart in the meantime, if we're not gonna let life have its way with us, if we're not gonna let our enemy kind of mess things up for us, get us off track, have us lose our, lose our way, have us lose the experience God longed for us to have happen, the only way we'll do that is if we stay do do this experience like the church talked about in Acts chapter two. Let us continue to meet together, not in rows, but in circles. Not on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. Now, before you freak out about this, let me just tell you how natural this is. What I'm talking about is being strategic and what God already placed in our hearts. You look around our globe. Everywhere we look, people group together, don't they? You just think about your hobbies. How many hobbies do you have where guys group or girls group, and they look alike, they act alike. I mean, you cut coupons, everybody shows up with a coupon book. I've never been that, been there. I don't really know if they show up with coupon books. I just made that up. But I'm assuming you show up with scissors and you cut. I mean, how many of you guys have ever run a, run a race before? You guys ever been in a 5K? People show up in shorts, don't they? I know, it's wild. <laughs> they show up in running shoes, right? Some dudes get really extreme. They go headbands, right? I mean, that's a group, and they got a language, and there's this style, there's this feel. You take guys who do triathlons, or, or let's, go, let's go Harley Davidson bikers. They're different than any other biker. You might be other kinds of bikers, but unless you're a Harley guy, Harley guys have their own language. They have their own look. They're a group. People group up all over the globe. Do you know how this happened? God started it. God started it. You know what God knew about us? He knew that nobody could last. Nobody could really grow alone. How good are you alone? This last week, I got in a whole bunch of exercise because I realized, like the week before, I turned 45. And I've been like, I'm not going down like this. Baby, this shirt I haven't worn in a long time, I can feel my gut around it, inside of it. It's too tight. <laughs> I don't like it. And I'm mad this morning, Okay. No life giving in this message. It's just anger coming out. <laughs> but this last week, I got in two mountain bike days. I got in two days at my gym, Uncommon Athlete. Anybody Uncommon Athlete in here? Anybody? Yeah, come on. I see you. I see you. Anybody else in Uncommon Athlete? All right. Uh, two Uncommon, two mountain bikes, and two days running a late bottle with my kids. And here's what I realized in every instance. Had I been by myself, I would have not done it. I would have just showed up. Or I would have not showed up. 
But just so happened that I did show up, and because I was running with my kids and their potential future cross-country team, and I showed up at Uncommon Athlete, and there's like eight people there, and three of them are girls, and five are boys. I'm like, I don't want to lose to anybody. And because of mutually spurring me on, I feel great. I worked out hard. I'm like, I can dominate anybody right now after two weeks. I'm just, I know you're thinking I can't, but I really can now. (laughs) And what this is saying to all of us, God set this up. Listen, God said in Scripture, love God, love people. And God said, if you will love me with all of your heart, and you will leverage this thing called life and relationships, and if you'll do it strategically, you're going to come closer to me than you ever found is possible. You can't do that alone. And this circle is not the circle that you're going to see profound growth in your life in. I know that you, you, you probably never heard messages like you've heard here. I know they're that good. Thank you, one person in the crowd. No, no, don't. No, 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 no. I say that because, listen, you know what happens after this? Lunch. Lunch. You're not going to remember what I said because lunch. I see Tony Monk. He's thought about lunch since he walked in. Listen. You truly want to grow. Growth does not come in rows. It comes in circles. So here's what I want to show you today. Um, in the book of John, John records Jesus' 33 years of life. And he takes his entire gospel, and he talks about Jesus' birth and his ministry, and he talks about his death. Can I tell you, he gets five chapters till the last day of his life. The last few hours of his life are recorded where John talks about Jesus passing on his last, in his last hours, some highly important, highly critical stuff to his little band of of guys, his disciples. And what I want to show this in the context of God said, I want you to give all your heart and soul and life and, and follow me. I want you to love me, and I want you to love others. That's the the second greatest commandment, right? Jesus said, I want this for you, and the way this is done to really grow and know me is done through relationships. So as he had this conversation with his disciples, Jesus laid out five things in five different chapters. I want to give you five things, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. They're going to be short. They're going to be quick. I'm at 18 minutes. Everybody turn around. See that 18? Just went to 19. Y'all see that? They're timing me back there, all right? So I'm rushing, all right? Five chapters, five things he sets up to, to help point back to the fact that if you don't get in groups, if you just continue to show up on, in, in this circle, this Sunday morning thing, you're never going to fully grow. And he shows us this in these five chapters. First thing is this, John chapter 13. If you've got your Bible, look this up real quick. If you've got a smartphone, John chapter 13. I'm going to give you five of these real quick. Five things about relationships that Jesus talked to his disciples about in one night. So Jesus is having this conversation. His boys are all around. All of a sudden, he goes beyond talking. He starts washing feet to make a point. Verse 8 of chapter 13, Peter's the first guy to speak up. 
Jesus starts scrubbing between the toes, and Peter's like, no, wait a second. Ah, it's weird. The Messiah scrubbing my feet. I got toe jam going on. I don't like this. Peter says, verse 8, no, says Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, and I think this is profound, unless I wash you, you will have no, what's the word? Part in me. Unless you let me get up close and personal with you, you will have no partnership with me. If, I don't, if you don't let me get up close and personal with you, Peter, how are you really going to know me? You see, he's speaking in relationship terms. He's talking about, he's talking about going to a whole nother level, not just superficial kind of like, ah, let's show up to church, sing, glory, hallelujah, Jesus saved, he loves. No, he's saying, no, no, we're going to go beyond that. Peter, if you really, really, really want to grow, if you really want to have a part with me, I want to give you number one, partners going to have to serve one another. If you're really going to grow, you're going to have to serve one another. You can't grow apart from modeling what Jesus is doing to people around you. It doesn't mean you have to wash people's feet, but there's lots of ways to love and serve. And if you're going to really, really grow, if, we're going to, if you're going to have the experience that God wanted for you, you're going to have to find that part that Jesus is talking about. Partners serve one another. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, I love this, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He wasn't naked. It was just the outer garment. He had other clothes on. Jesus wasn't nude, all right? Wasn't walking around washing guys' feet naked, all right? Don't get that visual. I'm sorry I stirred that up. So all of a sudden, he says to them, do you understand what I've done for you? He asks them a question. Do you understand what I've done for you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord. He says this in a sort of a, you call me that as if you call everybody that. It's almost like a superficial way of just saying, you call me teacher, you call me Lord. The other rabbis, they were teachers too. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for I am that, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, like we've gone to a whole other level. <laughs> I've got there where your feet stink. I've seen more of you that you've probably seen of yourself. Now that we've gone there and I've washed your feet, you should also, also wash others' feet. In essence, saying, let's go well beyond this with people. If you're going to get up close and personal and grow, we've got to go beyond. Verse 15, I have set you on it. I have set this as an example that you should do this as I've done for you. Now, let me just tell you this. This is one of the pastors of this church. I've seen this in action. I have seen the church be the church beyond Sundays and it is incredible. I can't tell you how many times I have found out too late that someone here in our congregation has had something catastrophic or just had like some major bruises or some real hurt and pain. And I showed up too late or didn't know about it, felt guilty, but then come to find out that person was in one of our growth groups, one of, it, one of our small groups. And their group just handled it and loved on that person, took care of that need suffered with them in their struggle, encouraged them through their hurt, was there in the midst of all of the struggle and problem, and they worked through it together just like we see in Acts chapter 2. I've seen this happen. I've seen it happen when moms have lost babies. I've seen it happen this last year when, when a young man lost his new bride. He was in a small group. I showed up. Everybody was already there. 
I'm like, this is the church. I've seen it happen in so many instances, and this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. The church can never fully be the church on Sunday mornings. That's just like a little itty-bitty part. And it's not that we're asking you to group up some odd, different kind of way, because let me tell you something. I'm a product of, of this conversation. I'm a product of people investing in my life. I'm a product of someone saying, hey, you're, you're swerving. You're about to go in the ditch. Come on, let me help you back up on the road again. I'm a product of that. I'm a product of people circling around me and holding my hands at times. A product of this. But can I tell you, when we launched this church, we said, there's some things I know I hate about small groups. I remember when I was, you know, in different circles and different instances and Sunday school classes and, and or different kinds of groups and different kinds of people that I felt like, ah, if we ever do this, we ever have a chance, we're going to do it like this. And I remember listing out some things like, you know what, if we're going to do small groups, let's set it up where people can choose what group they're in. Like, like let's just be honest. There are people I love that are people I just don't like. There are groups that you don't want to be in because you're, you just don't like them very much. And that's all right. You love them, right? Jesus loves everybody. He didn't like everybody. Uh, don't get crazy in your theology in that, all right? Come on, don't, don't go there, all right? I'm just saying. We want to give you the option. And so if we, we said when we launch groups, we want people to choose where they want to go. We tell people all the time, if you try a group, it doesn't fit. It's not your circle, not, what, not the kind of person you would naturally hang out with. God wants us to group up. He wants you to find people with like interests, like needs, like spheres of, and circles and every symmetric type thing I can think of. He wants us to find people who are like-minded and connect and leverage that context of relationship to grow closer to Him. And so we said, let's, let's allow people to choose. Let's allow, let's allow there to be a, an ending point to groups. Like, so we do 12 weeks or we're about to do seven weeks in, in our, our freeway groups. Seven weeks allows people an easy on-ramp, knowing, hey, it's not going to dominate my life. It's not going to dominate my time. I can find people I like. I can find people that might be the kind of people I want to hang out with, want to grow with. Easy on-ramps. We also said if it, doesn't, if it doesn't pass the who cares test, then let's not do it. So we say, hey, whatever your heart and passion is, whether it's a athletic outdoor something or another, or whether it's cutting coupons, or whether it's studying the book of James, whatever it is, God can leverage what he put inside of you in that context of that relationship for you to grow other people. We've had groups that have been like just sort of seemingly shallow in groups where people have had like a mountain bike group or a basketball guys group where men have come to Christ because the leader in relationship was intentional, strategic about and purposeful about what God had done in his life and passing on to others in the context of basketball. So we said when we launch groups, we want to do them in such a way that opens the door for people to do this in such a way that God already set it up. Naturally, relationships. Where there is a relationship with intentionality, there you'll find real growth. And so we said that we would start groups like this. Ecclesiastes speaks of this, talking about serving one another, says this, it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, that's tough. Two in a bed warm each other. Let's not go there. 
alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. That's the truth. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? Why? Because a three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. See what we're we're learning here? This is not rocket science. God's church was so incredibly set up that it would win. We crafted the name of my church from a verse found in Matthew 16, 18. It says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know why? If the church would become the church, it wins every time. When, when we focus in on what God set up as the model, if we don't lose our way and say, you know what, let's make this the end-all be-all, if we can, can stay and get in relationships, your marriage will grow. Your, your relationship with God's going to change. Your kids are going to notice a difference in your life. Everything is going to be closer to what God intended if we will do what God says. Hold on. Hold on to the hope that you have. How? By spurring each other on. By relationships. Partners also do this. Partners encourage one another. Why do partners encourage each other? Because we can easily, often get discouraged. John 14 is where he spoke of this. John 14, 1 through 3. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because we go through troubles. And Scripture says, guard your heart... For it's the wellspring of life. Everything about us comes from this thing called our heart. It's our emotions, our thoughts. Everything comes from our heart. Scripture says guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? By having relationships. People like-minded, trying to go in the right direction. Not like they were perfect, but getting people on board strategically through the context of growing closer to God is what really makes a difference in your life. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Hebrews 3.13 says this, But encourage one another daily, as long as it it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, sin is so deceitful. How many of you guys have ever been discouraged? I hope this does not discourage you, but I get discouraged. I know on Sunday mornings I'm usually five-hour energied up, and I'm bouncing off the walls, and I'm like game face on. But I get discouraged. I get discouraged oftentimes even doing what I do. Uh, I've, I've told Christy a time or two, um, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I, I'm, I'm a little discouraged. I'm struggling. I thought we'd be here. I thought it'd be like this. I, I'm a little confused and perplexed and discouraged. You know what? When I'm feeling that way, that is not the truth. It's not the truth. But when I'm alone... I think it's the truth. <laughs> when I have no one around me to say, dude, the stuff that's coming out of your mouth is like foolishness. That is so far from the truth. When I'm alone, I think it's the truth. But you know what? We're a terrible read of our circumstances. We're a terrible read of our own emotions. You and I cannot stay unswervingly alone. You and I have to have people in our lives who will encourage us. When you're discouraged, you're not smart. In fact, when you're discouraged, you're stupid. Tweet that one. Hashtag, preacher says. 
When you're discouraged, you're wrong about what's going on and even more wrong about what to do about it. Another thing that partners do, partners produce with one another. Our partners and partnerships, we accomplish more together. Think about it. We can infinitely do more together than we can apart. You can accomplish more in your marital relationship if you were in a group of married couples talking about God, who He is, applying God's Word to your relationships. You would be so much better if you had those type circles. We can produce more together than apart. John 15 speaks of this third point. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit. What is that? By itself. It, were, it must remain in the vine. That's Jesus. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. We can accomplish so much more together. Think about this. Apart, what are we? Nothing. Together, what are we? A people. A people. God wants to use a people to change the world. You know, you will fall off the map eventually if you just keep showing up to church and making this the end-all, be-all. doesn't matter what church. doesn't matter how good the message is. doesn't matter how deep or shallow or what the style is. It doesn't matter. If you miss showing up and grouping, you're going to lose. If you want to win and move so much further beyond where you might be right now, I want to challenge you. Consider getting in a group. Consider leveraging the church beyond a Sunday to change your life, to see God show up in amazing, powerful ways. Number four, partners protect each other. John 16 shows this. 16 verse 1, it says, All this I have told you. Again, Jesus is having this conversation right towards the end of his life, this last evening with his guys, he says another thing. He says, all this I've told you so that you will not go astray. That word there is literally scandalizo. I have told you all this so you will not go scandalizo on folks. (laughs) I have told you this so you will not have a Jerry Springer moment in your life. Scandals. Literally meaning to not get caught in the trap. Why? Because literally we are all one step away from stupid. We really are. You can fake it. You can be the person that says, I don't have any issues. That that might be your issue, (laughs) right? (laughs) We need to be together. And one of the great perks is to protect each other, to protect each other's hearts, to encourage each other's hearts, to serve each other. Lastly is this. John says, in John 17, 1, after this, Jesus said this. He looked toward heaven and he prayed. Partners pray for one another. Partners pray for one another. Where two or three agree together, we see amazing stuff happen. I can tell you this. There's been times I've prayed by myself. It's great. I have good experience with God and there's that interchange and that relationship happen. But I can tell you there's some incredible times I've had praying with three or four people around that property out there. God, we need you. God, would you show up over here? God, would you do awesome things for Easter this year? Would you see people saved in Easter? I remember 
We had over 150 people get saved on Easter. I think it's because people prayed. I, I, I know the people that came together and prayed. We prayed for that. We got to see that. Where two or three or more come together, there we see God. So here's the deal. Partners serve each other, encourage each other, produce with one another, protect one another, pray for one another. God gave us the church, not just this church, all churches, the framework for both how, we, how, we, how he accomplishes much in us and how we can accomplish much in the world. I believe with all my heart, God started this church in a very incredibly powerful way. We launched with 625 people. That's rarely ever heard of or done. I don't know how that happened. No one gets the glory but God. It was all his. We've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people bow the knee to Jesus and say, I, I'm, I want to give my life to him. I want to know Jesus. I want him to save me. We've, we've seen hundreds of people become baptized, take the next step in following Jesus. We've seen a lot of life change happen. Can I tell you why? And I have pastors say, hey, man, we heard groups won't work in Columbus, Georgia. New church planters starting say, hey, man, we've talked to all these other pastors in town. They say, groups don't work around here. I'm like, what do you mean groups don't work? Everybody groups. Everybody groups. People have said, how has my church been so successful? I can tell you this. It's not because of this. It's not because of a great message. It's just not. It's just not. You're going to lunch. It's not because of great worship. And I believe we've got a dynamic worship experience. That was one of the things we wanted to launch with. But the other thing was we wanted people to be in relationships, intentional relationships. Why? Because in the context of relationships, being intentional, real growth and change happens. Can I tell you this? I want this so bad for you. I want it so bad for us that all of us could advance and move forward and grow closer with other and with God and accomplish more. If we will, we will see Matthew 16, 18 happen. Upon this rock, we'll see God build his church. Not just erect a building out there on our new property. I'm talking about like build the church. Like lives changed, like our whole city affected. Someone said today that it came out in the paper that our church is like made some neat little status. Like we're like church of the year by Ledger Inquirer, one of the great churches. And I was like, wow, cool. I think that's a little scary because I don't know anybody who reads Ledger Inquirer. <laughs> I don't know who voted. And, and I surely can tell you that we're no cooler or better than any other church. We're just God's church. We want to be like this. There's nothing in me or in this that wants us to be better than somebody else. We just, want, we just want God to use us. We just want God to change us. I just want to surrender and submit us to God and see Him work in us. So my challenge is consider going beyond this, sitting in rows, sitting in a circle, serving, encouraging, producing together, praying together. See what it does in your life this next year. Now, I'm going to wrap up, and I'm going to give you what I promised I said last week. I would give you an update on our all-in, our church project. Now, I updated our last hour, and it was pretty exciting because I got to say some cool stuff. 
But if you're new to the conversation about All In, we have a website. It's All In for number four, mychurch.com. You can read all about what our church is doing in uh, both advancing the kingdom, reaching every man, woman, and child, and moving out of this facility and building on the almost 11 acres that we have. All in for mychurch.com. Now, let me just tell you this. This project started uh, a little over a year ago. We challenged the church for, to, to, to uh, go all in in a financial kind of way uh, for a three-year commitment. And we pledged, you pledged, you said, I'm going to try to do this, I'm going to commit to do this, and I'm going to pledge over three years to try to give this much, an amount, over what I already normally do. And you pledged just shy of a million dollars. Now, the whole project we know is going to be almost $4 million to try to buy all the land we need and to have the construction completed, all right? But can I tell you, with pledging just under a million in one year, this church has brought in $300,000 towards our all-in project. That is awesome. Good job. Congratulations. Yeah. Some of you guys are like, I'm clapping, but I don't know nothing about what they're talking about. And I'm not even a part of that, right? I get that, right? Some of you guys are related because you're part of this. You're family. You've been, you've, been, you've been paying. You've been in, and your heart is following where your money goes. That's Scripture, by the way. And you've been, like, locking arms with us and going on the vision of what God's called us to do. And I, I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now let me tell you where we're at. That money went towards putting down payment on the first land, it went towards putting down payment on the second land that sort of materialized after the first land got zoned. The guy who owned the land said, I'll let you buy this second piece now that I have tried to keep you from getting your first land zone. Now that you got a zone, I'm going to let you buy my land. And he, and he gave us a great price. So now we, we put all that money into all that land out there with perking, with drilling. Last year I got to announce that like on the heels and just the backside of Flat Rock Park on Flat Rock Road, a piece of land that we thought, oh my gosh, we're going to spend double the money just moving rocks and getting firm foundation correct. They drilled. We spent money to have all that done, experts, engineers. We found zero rocks. That was like awesome, like praise God, like can you believe there's no rocks on Flat Rock Park like behind, you know. That was crazy. So we're like, man, this God is awesome. Well, we did that. So now the question is, and I get asked this like every day, when are we going to start, build, start construction some land? When someone writes a check for $500,000, we can begin. <laughs> All right, but let me tell you how this works. If someone wrote a check for $500,000, yeah, we could, get, we could get rocking and started right now. Right? So if, you're, if that's you and God lays that on your heart, Woo, we're off to the races. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I would wish for it that all of us would play a role in it. Why? Because everybody. Because everybody. Why, 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 if you're a part of this, why miss being a part of it? Because the closer you are connected to what God is doing through this church and in this world, I think the greater your heart's affected by it. I know my wife and I's hearts are affected by our giving. I'm not trying to brag or make us feel good or even someone feel better than us. But we, we give our 10% tithe to our church, sometimes beyond, and we give our commitment to all in. And I can tell you, it is amazing for us. 
there's highs, there's lows. There's like, oh my gosh, we've given all we've given this month. How are we going to make ends meet? And we see God do awesome stuff in our life. That's us playing our role in the bigger picture of this church. But can I tell you, I would rather all of us be a part than one of us do the whole job. I really would. When we started this thing out, I had some of the consultants that, that helped us say, we have not seen another church have more people engaged than your church. I mean, like, we had almost 100% participation. People were like, yeah, I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit. And people have helped. People have been a part. So here's what I want to say at this part now. I don't know when we're going to start. It really is a money thing. We had the $300,000 come in at that point. We've also seen a bit of a shrink in our general budget. What happened? Many of us said, yeah, I'm going to go all in. And you're like, I forgot to give to the general budget. When you designate and say all in, that means we can only use it for all in. So here's what I want to say to you. For many of you, you might be new to this conversation. And you might be saying, this church is awesome. God's using it to change my life. I want to be a part of this. Can I encourage you to start like this? Start by either taking the 90-day giving challenge and learning what it is to become a, a normal tither or a giver, like biblical tither, what it says in Scripture. Go on our website, mychurchcolumbus.com. You can look that up. But I would say start there before you start giving to all in because we don't want to be handicapped or strapped by saying everybody's going to give to all in and it's all designated funds. We've got to operate off of general budget. that makes sense? There's two things going on there. So my encouragement is this. We're close. I don't know how close. We're waiting for our banker to say, here's what we've got to see coming in and here's what we need to see saved up. We, we took all those funds, so our, our resources now of savings is very, very small. It's growing weekly. And can I tell you, we've made some really, really big decisions and made some healthy cuts to say we're serious about this. We've made some huge financial cuts, and we're going hardcore in our general budget to make things strong and healthy so we can save lots here to go towards that. All that to say this. We are all in, moving all forward to do what we believe God wants us to do out there. And when I look around and I see the many of you that come from week after week after week, and you share your stories of how God's changed your life, I know we're on target. When I see things like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we baptized 15 people in this service, and I hear the stories, I'm like, oh my gosh. You had family and kids that drove to see 70-year-old parents get baptized that had their hearts and lives changed. I'm like, we're on target. This is why we do what we do. When I hear about groups serving each other, when I hear about people giving and sharing, I'm like, we're on target. So listen, our foot's on the gas. We'd love for all of you to go with us. If you're new to this, go to website, check it out. We're going to have a much more lengthier conversation on a rally-type event for All In to share everything that's going on maybe on our property. Um, so we'll share that in the future. I've gone long enough, so let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. God, we love you. Um, Lord, as we wrap up today, I just think back to your scripture. You say, God, when we, um, when we, your, your word will never return void. There's power in this scripture. God, I pray that the power of your word that we heard today through this scripture would dramatically affect our lives, our thinking, our hearts. God, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of this, but we'd, we'd act on it. We'd do. 
God, I pray that we just wouldn't like absorb information, but we would take, God, what you have placed in our hearts and we respond to it. So, God, I pray we'd respond. Let us play a role in this work. Let's play a role in this church. Let's play a role in this kingdom, God. And God, help us to grasp. It's not just pie in the sky. But when we come together and really operate like in a partnership like you talked about, our lives personally can be radically changed. God, I pray that you would, you would take your word today. You'd, you'd unite us and make us a people that could see major, major, major movements of God. We love you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen.